You are listening to a message from Parkway Church in Corona. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you as you listen. If you'd like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, parkway-church.com. Awesome. Well, it is so good to be here this morning, and I was just um, thinking as we were kind of worshiping, the team was leading us, like, it's so good to be a part of a house that knows how to open up their mouths and sing, right? Like, we're, we are here for the audience of one. We are not the audience. He's the audience, and it's just so good to be a part of, even just this morning, even just this morning, I was, I've been blessed. I'm sure my wife was blessed by, I kind of felt like we were at a retreat. There's something about going away with people and, and the presence of God that moves on those times, but I just felt like on a Sunday morning, I was at a retreat, like, it was just awesome. But it's so good to be here. Happy New Year. Who here likes New Year's? How many of you are New Year's resolution kind of people? Like you like set goals. Some of you are like, no way, I've done that, been there, done that, I'm done. Failed too many times, it's over with. How many of you still set goals every New Year? You're just like, I'm ready to go. Well, I love New Year's. I love New Year's because it, it's an easy way to mark and begin new things. And I was thinking about Isaiah 43, 19, which is not where we're going to go today at all, but I was thinking about it. It says, it says this, it says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? And how applicable for this year for Parkway? You know, how applicable for this morning possibly? We're excited about this morning. We're excited about being um, possibly a part of what God is doing at Parkway. Um, as we heard the heart from the search committee of where the church is and where they believe the church needs to go, we really believe that God has uh, much in store for Parkway. We believe that God has a plan and purpose for Corona and for St. Clair Township, and that Parkway is going to be a huge part of that. The Parkway is going to be a huge part of it. So it's, it's an honor to be here. Um, I will say this. I know that what follows um, is a vote, um, and it's weird to be on this side of it. Um, but, but believe me, just, just hearing the heart of your search committee of the board, um, they've been really searching diligently, seeking the Lord in prayer, hoping to be led by the Spirit to find Parkway's new lead pastor. Um, so whatever follows, um, trust, trust that the one that is ultimately at work is God. The scripture says that in the hearts, man plans his course, but the Lord establishes his steps. And so I'm believing for that. I'm believing that regardless what follows, that, that God is in charge and we're just trusting that. But it's going to be a good morning. A little bit about me and my family. Um, I think there's a picture for us. Um, I'm married to my best friend, Jody. Um, you can see her up there. There's my beautiful family. Aren't they just beautiful? I'm biased because it's my own. Um, but I'm married to my best friend, Jody. She is um, literally my best friend. I always say to find your best friend. You know, find your best friend and marry your best friend. Um, she's my closest confidant. She's my partner in crime. She's my greatest supporter. Um, you'll never see her up front. She's always working behind the scenes kind of kind of a person. Um, and she's the best mom. She makes the most sacrifices. I know all moms make sacrifices. Uh, but she makes incredible sacrifices for our family. And so we are blessed as a family to have her. Um, she is uh, mother to our three beautiful children. We have Elijah. He's on the far left. Um, he's our five-year-old um, guy. He is our, our creator creative, talkative um, engineer type. We always say that he's either going to be a pastor or he's going to be an engineer and go to outer space because he never stops talking and he's always creating stuff. He definitely has the heart of a creator. And then Joshua in the middle there, he's our, he's our mighty mouse. He's three years old. He is small, but he is feisty. He is, he is mighty. He's the kind of kid that he falls. He may cry for a split second, and then he keeps on running. Actually, on one occasion, our five-year-old and, and our three-year-old Joshua both fell down outside and scraped their knee. 
um, Eli had a little bit of a scrape, and he's just like bawling his eyes out. Yeah, he was hurt. And then Joshua had a scrape, but it was like bleeding down his leg, and he's just like getting back up and ready to run. So he is mighty. And we always say that, that we don't know what God has in store for him, but whatever, it's gonna, whatever God has in store, he's going to accomplish it with, a, with power because he is mighty. And then we have Emmeline. Um, she's our little baby. She is fresh, October 13th fresh. Um, new. Um, but she is the best third baby that you could ask for if you're looking for to expand your family beyond two because she is, she is content and she is easy and she is just, uh, she's just a good little girl. Um, we also have a dog. How many of you guys are dog people? Yeah, dog lovers. We have a dog. How many of you guys are cat people? We got cats. So we become all things to all people. Like we're just ready. We have a full house. We have a full house. So this is my family. Um, I'm blessed to do life with them. I want to share uh, a message this morning that's been percolating inside me ever since we began this process, and it centers around a text that might seem a little odd for a new year, um, because it's usually a text that's used around Christmas time, um, but I just couldn't escape it as, as we began this process, and uh, I just couldn't escape this text, and it got me thinking that even though Christmas is done, the work of Christmas is really just beginning. Right, even though the celebration and the story of Christ is done, we're, we're done thinking about it, I guess, in one regard, but, but the work is just starting. Um, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 1 to 14. And if you're taking notes, I like to call this the missional mind of God, the missional mind of God. I'm going to read it for you. It may or may not be on the screen. I'm not sure, but I'll read it for you in just a moment. The missional mind of God. So here we go. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Now this is the key one, verse 14. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among them. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Let's just pray. Let me just bow our heads before we begin. Father God, we just thank you that we have the opportunity to open up your word and just learn from it and receive it. And I pray, God, that as I speak, that you would help me speak with clarity. Help me to speak, Father God, in a way that is true to, your, to the scriptures, God. Um, I open myself up to you, and God, just speak in the name of Jesus. I pray that you touch every heart, every mind. God, regardless of background, regardless of where people come from, Holy Spirit, that you would penetrate the heart as only you can, and that you would leave every single person here changed and transform God in the name of Jesus. That we wouldn't just be hearers this morning, but we would be doers this morning in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, 
Amen. So this is a verse that many of you have likely heard before. Um, the principle that we're going to talk about this morning, you've likely heard before. But I find that even though we, we read verses like this that we, and we, we understand the principle, we tend to kind of just gloss over them. We don't actually go and actually live them, live them out. Um, and so journey with me this morning, right? Now, how many of you have ever been to another culture before? Yeah, another culture. Um, maybe you've traveled overseas, you went on vacation. Um, sometimes you can have a, a bit of a culture shock. Um, even when you leave your own home, you, you head up to like a metropolis like Toronto and you get a bit of a culture shock because all of a sudden you're among people who are different than you. Right? You're among a people group that look different than you, that talk different than you, that act different than you, that even think different than you. And none of this is more true than I think than when you're on a missions trip or a humanitarian aid trip. Now, I've been on a few in my life, but some of my favorite ones have been to uh, the Dominican Republic to support some missionaries that we know down there um, who are working with the poor and poverty-stricken um, people in, the, in there. Um, they work with uh, Dominicans who speak Spanish, and they work with Haitians that speak Creole. And if you've ever been on a mission trip before, basically your purpose is to go there and to support maybe the missionary, but show the love of Christ with the purpose of blessing the people that you're seeking to reach, right? If you go on a short-term trip, maybe it's a couple weeks or a few months or whatever. But there are barriers along the way. There are cultural barriers along the way, customs and traditions and life. And there are language barriers. Most of the trips that I've been on have been to countries or places that don't speak English. So it's incredibly difficult. And so the question you have to ask yourself is how do you go to a people and how do you reach a people who are different than you in culture, in speech, and customs? How do you overcome these barriers? You might, you might have encountered this on a vacation somewhere. Well, the answer I like to believe is you have to think missionally. You have to think missionally. You have to adopt the practices, the posture, the thinking, and the behaviors of the people you're seeking to reach. So when we traveled down to the Dominican Republic, before we went there on these uh, few trips with, with my old church, back actually back in Stainer, before we lived in Welland, we lived in a small town uh, called Stainer, um, and we did missions trip with the youth and young adults, and eventually the, the older congregation got on board, and it kind of became a multi-generational trip, but we always go down to the Dominican Republic because we had missionaries down there. And before we'd go on this trip, um, for a few weeks before the trip, we'd prepare for it, right? We'd, uh, we'd get together, and we'd learn, you know, children's presentations, and and we'd learn, we'd learn songs in Creole because we were going to go to Haitian service and we were going to lead them in song. And we had to learn some Spanish phrases. And my favorite one was this, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's donde necesito el baño, which means where is the bathroom? Because it's important when you're in a culture that doesn't speak your language that you know how to ask where the bathroom is. And so we would, we would do these things in order to prep for this, um, for this trip. We had to dress in certain clothes because the culture was different there. We had to change and we had to prepare in order to reach people who were different. Our message stayed the same, but we adopted a method that would reach them. And it was awesome. I remember we went to this uh, Haitian service that was literally in the middle of the woods. Like you drive in this picture like an African safari type of truck. You're in the back of this truck and it's, you're going down a dirt road and it's bumpy all the way along and there's potholes everywhere. And you're literally traveling to a place where nobody goes. It's just, it's poverty beyond poverty. And then we pull over in the side and there's like a field on this side and there's like a forest on this side and we're all just getting out. I'm like, this is weird. I kind of knew, but the team didn't know. I'm like, where are we going? And we get out of the truck and we pull down or walk down this muddy path and all of a sudden there's this clearing in the middle of this forest and there's tarps laid down around and there's tarps laid up and there's a guy in the center and everyone's just sitting around and they were having a church service in the woods. They call it church in the woods. It was amazing. And so we as a team, we would actually go there and we would um, share a few testimonies and then we would lead the people in Creole songs. 
but we butchered it. Like, it was absolutely terrible. They're, like, looking at us like, this is just not good. But what was amazing is as we sought to lead them, they actually kind of just took over. And they just started to lead us in song. But it was amazing. Um, we had opportunities to, to love on children, to do children's presentations. Um, we had helped repair and construct a church that served as kind of like the, the beacon for the, the, the village there. Um, we prayed with people. We got to go to an orphanage and help feed disabled children. It was, an, it was a powerful time that we did whatever we could to love and reach people. Now, what we didn't expect is we didn't expect them to come to us. And we didn't expect them to learn our language. And we didn't expect them to dress like us in order to, for us to reach them. We went to them. And this is what God did when the word became flesh. This is what the Lord did when the word became flesh. God came to our world, into our culture, into our time to reach us. That's what this verse is talking about. When the author John is talking about the word in church, we know this. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus, but when he uses this term, he's very strongly trying to to tie Jesus existing eternally with God, but not only just with God, but being God himself, the very agent of creation itself. But why he's using the term word is because the term, the word, was highly significant to the Jewish culture of the time, highly significant to the Jewish culture of the time. In the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, right at the beginning in the book of Genesis, we see God creating by word. He spoke. Throughout the Old Testament, the word of God is several times described as the one sent by God to accomplish mission. Sometimes returning back to him in Psalms 107, it says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them. So for Jewish traditions, God was seen as kind of an untouchable being. But the word, the term the word was seen as personal, interactive, and alive. And so what John is trying to do is he's trying to tie the word that they believe in to Jesus who had come and saying, the one that you believe has come and his name is Jesus. He's come down from the untouchable spaces and he's been dwelling in with us. The word became flesh. Now, when we're talking about this idea of the word become flesh, we're talking about the incarnation or known as the incarnation of Jesus. Um, Now, I'm going to assume that many of you know this, but I also want to assume that there's some people in here that don't know this, but it's basically just a big theological world thrown around in churches. That that means that in the study of God, which is what theology is, in the study of God, God, the act of God becoming man, is known as the incarnation. The act of the word of the Son of God becoming man, known as the incarnation. So let me just connect this for you. When we went on that missions trip, to the Dominican Republic, and we learned Spanish, and, and we br- brought certain kind of clothes, and, and, and we adopted customs in order to reach them. Um, God did the same in the incarnation. So God is a missional thinker. God is a missional thinker. And when we use the word missional, we're speaking of someone that's sent into the world, adopting practices, behaviors, customs, in order to fulfill a mission. God is a missionary-minded being. He came into the world, he became man, he adopted practices, language, and even the look of humanity in order to reach humanity. God is not a distant God. He's not an abstract God. But he intervened into humanity, into our world, through Jesus, in order to save our world, in order to save you. And can I suggest to us this morning, Parkway, that if we're going to become like Christ, if we're going to have the heart of God, If we're going to be imitators of God, as Ephesians 5 tell us, then we need to do as Jesus did. 
We need to do as Jesus did both as individuals in your own world and also corporately as a body. We need to think missionally. And then, I believe, and then we will see our communities, whether that's Corona or St. Clair Township or Sarnia or wherever it may be. Maybe you're new today and you're not even from this area. Wherever it may be, we will see our communities reached and impacted with the love of Jesus. Christmas, I know that the story is done, but the work of Christmas is just beginning because he didn't just come to stay as a baby and hang out in December 25th with Christmas lights and Christmas trees and all that nice carols. He didn't just come for that, but he came on a mission to reach a people. Christmas is about missional living. So let me just give you a few things Jesus did when he came, when the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and see what we can learn from it, and then how we can put that into practice. So the first is that Jesus came in an unexpected way. The word became. So when our, our, our baby girl was born on October 13th, we had expectations for how this was going to go. Uh, we expected that the water would break, which was normal for the process, and, and then the baby would be born, and you'd have this very slimely let, yet lovely child in your arms. But that's not the way that our Emmy came. On that day, Emmy, well, Jody went into labor, and she was coming. And so we went with a midwife, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little bit of the story. We went with a midwife, and we're in the room, and the midwife had asked me prior to, she's like, do you want to catch the baby? And I'm not grossed out by this stuff, so I'm like, absolutely, I would love to do that. I want to catch my baby. And so we're in the middle of this process. The baby is coming. Jody's over here, and the midwife's kind of just like doing stuff over here. And I'm, I'm looking at her like, the, the baby's coming. Are you, are you going to tell me when I gotta, what I got to do when I got to do? And all of a sudden, this baby starts to come. The water doesn't break. But she comes, and she's born in her sack. It was, it's called an on-call birth. It's actually so rare. There's a less than 1 in 80,000 chance that this could happen. Literally born in her sack. And I was so caught up in the fact that the midwife's over here. And I'm like, do I, all of a sudden, I got to put my arms there and just catch this baby that's coming out. And she's literally in my arms, in her sack. We had expected one thing, but she came in an unexpected way. See, for the people of God, the Hebrew people, they had expectation that God would one day come. They believed he would come. As a ruler, anointed one, to deliver them from oppression once and for all. And this was prophesied for generations. Right? In the Old Testament, God did this all the time in small ways. In the stories of, of the Old Testament, when the people of God would find themselves in bad situations, in wars, and in slavery, and oppressions, God would raise up an ordinary person to deliver them out of their oppression. So they had seen this before. He'd raise up ordinary people to save his people. And can I just say that I still believe God does that? I still believe that God raises up people to lead his people. I still believe that God raises up ordinary people to accomplish his purposes. And I believe that some of us in this room are, could be those people. So this is something he had done in the past, right? But they had an expectation that God would do it, and he would do it once and for all. And he would do it powerfully and nationally. He would set up an earthly kingdom, and a warrior would come to deliver them once and for all. But when the word became flesh, he didn't come as they expected. When the word became flesh, he didn't come like they had hoped or thought. You know, sometimes we have expectation that God is going to do something, and he does it a little differently than what we expect. He's got a miracle for you. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose. He's got a promise, but it can look different than maybe your expectation. So instead of coming powerfully and nationally in royalty, he came humbly. He came lowly unexpectedly as a baby born to a virgin girl with a carpenter as an adoptive father with animals nearby. 
He came humbly. And I think he did this for multiple reasons, but one that kind of just hit my heart was that so it didn't matter who you were or where you came from, he came for you. Didn't matter your status, didn't matter your position, didn't matter your background, didn't matter your experience, didn't matter who you are, he came for you. Did you know that communities have expectations for churches? And just like church people or just like God's people had expectations for the Messiah, sometimes they're the wrong kind of expectations. They, have ex- they expect us to be religious. They expect us to be judgmental. They expect us to be hypocritical. They expect us to appear ancient. You guys don't appear ancient, by the way. <laughs> they expect us to be removed from and out of touch with their society. But what if we weren't? What if we weren't? What if we shocked the community by doing as Jesus did and doing the unexpected? Right? He loved the unlovable. He healed the outcast. He spent time with the crooked. He spent time with them. He went and he served and he loved. He came in an unexpected way. He did things they didn't expect. And I love that about Jesus. And he did this to reach the people that he came to reach. He says, I'm not here for the healthy. The healthy don't need a doctor. I'm here for the sick. I'm here for the sick. Sick need a doctor, and not just physically, spiritually. What if Christians did the same? Are we willing to be like Jesus and thinking missionally? Are we willing to be like him in order to be like him by going to the people that he wants us to go to and reach the people that he wants to reach? Maybe Jesus wouldn't be spending time here on Sunday morning, but if he was here, he'd be finding people that were broken and hurting and needed a touch from him. In order to be like him, in order to go where he's going and reach the people he desires to reach, we have to think a little bit more missionally. So Jesus came in an unexpected way. Secondly, is Jesus came with vulnerability. The word became flesh. So when the word became flesh, the word became a baby. God became a baby. Now I was thinking about this. I'm like, if I was God and I was about to do something that's going to literally impact the world in all eternity, I would think of a more secure way to do it. But thankfully, I'm not God and I'm, I'm finite and he's infinite and can work all things for good. But we have a baby girl. We have a little baby girl, and they are defenseless, and they are helpless, and they literally need everything from you in order for them to exist and live. Like, literally, their heads would probably snap off because they cannot hold up their own head. We have to feed her. We have to change her. We have to change her diaper. We have to do everything for her to live. But God became a baby. But God became a baby, and I believe not only to fill the scriptures that says he will be born and live the whole human experience, but to teach us something about vulnerability. Because sometimes the vulnerable position is the most powerful position. Sometimes the vulnerable position is the most powerful position. Vulnerability can be powerful, but it's counterintuitive, right, to be vulnerable. Because we see it as a weakness, not a strength. But I heard recently that vulnerability or the ability to be vulnerable is what allows true connection. Because in order for connection to happen, we have to allow ourselves to be really seen. So think about the bond that happens between a mother and a baby when a baby's first born. Or think about the bond, the intimacy that's first shared between a husband and a wife. Or think about what, when friends who, who share experience deep pain together, the connection that happens there. Because connection happens through vulnerability. Connection happens through vulnerability. And vulnerability is the ability to be real and authentic and to let go of who we think we should be for who we actually are. Yeah, we're afraid of it, right? Because we're afraid of disappointment. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of judgment. But it's the very place that we need to go in order for true connection and true meaning to happen. I heard Brené Brown said this. She said, vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. 
It is the source of hope, empathy, accountability, and authenticity. And if we want greater clarity in our purpose or deeper and more meaningful spiritual lives, vulnerability is the path. And that got me thinking about Philippians chapter 2, which says this, Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in, in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. God made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. And I think Jesus did this in order for, allow, for a true connection to happen. I think he did this to show us the way. Have you ever noticed that it's easier to open up to someone who's real with you? Or have you ever noticed that it's, it's easier to relate to con- and connect with someone who's not trying to be something they're not? They're just real, genuine. Jesus made himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant. Why? So a servant could connect with him. So an outcast would open up to him. And I think that's why the people in the scriptures that gravitated towards Jesus were the ones that didn't gravitate towards the religious people because the religious people were always trying to be something they weren't. They were always trying to have the appearance of, of something. But Jesus was relatable because he was vulnerable. And what if we did this? I don't want to be a pastor who's more concerned about what people think of me than the people I need to reach. So if I need to be, if I need to be vulnerable or, or allowing myself to be vulnerable helps connect someone to the gospel, then man, I think that's what Jesus would do. God became a baby. Thirdly, as Jesus made his dwelling among us, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So the best missionaries are not those who go on a mission trip for a week or two or a few months. The, me- the best missionaries are those who make their home with the people that they're trying to reach. And that's what Jesus did. And that's what he does by his spirit in you. He makes his dwelling in you. But Jesus came down from heaven, lived not just on earth, but he lived in a specific region, in a specific time, to a specific culture. He was a Jew to a Jewish culture. He spoke the language of the time and of the people. He grew in a trade as a carpenter. He made his dwelling among the people that he came to reach. And I think there is people here today, I think there's people here in Corona who God wants to dwell among. There's people who do not have the presence of God living in and around their lives. And you want to know how I believe he does it? He does it through people who he already dwells among. He already does it. He does it through the people who he's already dwelling in. We don't just live where we live because that's where we were born. We don't just live where we live because that's where we work. But we live where we live because God placed us with purpose, with the intention to be Jesus to those people. It's missional living. You may not have chosen it, but God chose it for you. So quick story for you. Um, when we lived in Stainer before we moved to Welland, we were pastoring there as youth pastors, and uh, we bought our first home in Stainer, small town. We bought our first home, and we were super excited, right? For first homeowners, we loved the house. It was, it was gorgeous to us, but what we didn't realize at the time was the house right next to it was actually a drug house. And it wasn't just where people went and did drugs. It's where people went and got their drugs. Like twice a day, literally twice a day, we knew the times where they would come and they'd pick up their fix. Now, the guy who is living there who kind of oversaw it all, his name was Jody, ironically. It's also my wife's name. Um, and, uh, and we started kind of talking and connecting. And I believe that he befriended us because he knew that we knew what was really going on there. And so he wanted to make sure we didn't talk, so he was super nice to us. And on a few different occasions, I got the opportunity to invite him to church and, and to, to reach out to him. But I'll never forget this one day. 
this one occasion. I was at work. I was at the church office, which was literally a minute and a half walk from the church building, so I wouldn't even drive. I would just walk. Even in a blizzard, I'd put on my, my big boots and my, you know, my coat, and I'd snow pants sometimes, and I'd, and I'd walk in trudging snow because it was a minute and a half away. Um, but Jody calls me. My Jody calls me, and she's like, you're not going to believe what's going on. Seven undercover cop guards just, just pulled up on the lawn, and they dragged everyone out in cuffs. And so I'm like, shoot. And so I hand up the phone and I, you know, I run home to see what's going on. By the time I got there, I guess they had gotten everyone out of there. I went to a cop and I'm like, hey, what's going on? He looks at me and goes, you know what's going on. I said, yeah, but my, my family's right here. I got, we had Elijah, just Elijah at the time. Um, but sure enough, they took him off. They took Jody away. And a week, about a week and a half, maybe two weeks later, Jody's back in his house. The other Jody um, is back in his house under house arrest with an anklet on his, on his uh, ankle. And he knocks on my door. It's a rainy day. Knocks on my door one day and opens the door. He's like, "Hey, can we can we talk on my property? Can we talk on my property?" And he starts pointing to his ankle. That's like anklet. That's like beeping. I'm like, "Sure." So I grab my shoes and we walk outside over onto his property. And he just starts to pour out his life. And he starts to pour out his circumstance. And he starts to pour out his situation. And he's in tears. And it's pouring rain. And we're soaking wet. And I had again, I had opportunities to talk with him before, but never had an opportunity like this to really pour into his life, to pray with him, and to connect with him. Now, I'd like, to, I'd like to tell you this morning that, you know, after that, Jody went to church with me and his life was transformed, but he never went to church like he promised me. Until about three months ago, I got a message from one of the pastors of the church there, and he says, you'll never guess who showed up at church today. It was Jody. See, we just bought a house. We just bought a house. But God had a different purpose. He placed us there strategically to reach people like Jody to reach people like him. Because that's what Jesus did. He made his dwelling among us. And through his spirit, he continues to dwell in you. And he reaches communities and people who he wants to dwell among through people like you who are, he already dwells in. So who have you been strategically placed by? I'm going to invite the worship team to come. I'm going to invite the, uh, those who are going to uh, serve us communion to prepare at this time as well. Where have you strategically been placed? Who are your neighbors and who are your coworkers? Who is the Tim Hortons worker who gets your coffee every time or the barista from Blackwater Coffee who serves you? Who is the grocery, grocery clerk that you see every week? Who are your peers in your school and in your workplace? Who is the person that you drive by every Sunday and wave to on your way to church? Those are the people who you dwell among. Those are the people within your circle. That's your world. And Jesus said to go into it and make disciples because that's what he did. He doesn't just tell us to do it and he's not doing it. He did it. He came into the world. He reached into the world. He was missional minded. He adopted the practices in order to reach people. And if we're going to have the heart and mind of Jesus, then we need to look at where we've been strategically placed and begin to live missionally. You guys can come and prepare at this time. See, Parkway is strategically placed on the Parkway, the main strip, visibly in Corona. Parkway is strategically placed in St. Clair Township, not just so that you can gather and connect on Sunday morning and have coffee and maybe a slushy if you're a little younger and don't like coffee. Not just so you can worship and to an amazing worship team, not just so you can high-five your friend, but for Corona and for the community. Maybe to change the course of someone's life. Maybe to impact your druggy neighbor like Jody. Not my Jody. 
Yeah, the Jody. Because, guys, Jesus came in an unexpected way. They expected one thing from him, but he showed up in an unexpected way, and he loved the unlovable. And he loved the outcast. And he reached those that nobody was willing to reach. And you want to know, and you all know this, you want to know who got upset with Jesus? It's the religious. The church people. They're the ones who were bothered by what Jesus was doing. But he's like, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. He came in an unexpected way, and he came vulnerably. He made himself nothing. Because sometimes the vulnerable position is the most powerful position. Who is, more, who is waiting to open up to you, but just needs you to be vulnerable with them? Maybe you got to tell your story. Maybe you got to tell your hurt. Maybe you got to tell your pain. Maybe you got to show them, hey, listen, I'm not perfect. I am not perfect, by the way. I am not perfect. And sometimes people look at pastors as if we're on this pedestal and that we're, we're, we're not. We are people. We are broken people, hurting people. We have pain. We have problems. But let's be vulnerable because maybe someone's waiting for that so that they can open up and they can receive Jesus. And lastly, Jesus made his dwelling among us. See, Christmas is done. We're not celebrating the story, but the work of Christmas is just beginning. And that's continuing the mission of God through the spirit of God to go and dwell among people, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to heal the sick, to find the lost, to help the broken, because that's what Jesus did. And, and we, all, we often think of this in just physical terms. Like, I gotta find someone who's physically hungry, I gotta feed them, which is great. And I gotta find someone who's, who's naked, I gotta clothe them. Well, maybe don't go looking for people who are naked, you just throw clothes at them. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta find someone who's sick, but, but do you know that there are people who are spiritually hungry and they don't even know it? And they're chasing after anything that will satisfy them. And they're deeply broken in sin, they're naked in sin. There's people who are, who are broken and lost and they think that they're living the good life. And maybe that's you today. Maybe someone here today, that's you. You're broken. You're hurting. You're lost. Well, can I tell you that Jesus came for you? Maybe you're a part of the family of God. Maybe you call yourself a Christian, a believer. You love the Lord, but you're broken. Can I remind you that he came for you? Can I remind you that he's close to you? The Bible says that he lives within you. He is closer than your very breath. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. So in your broken and in your hurt and in your pain, remember that he's close to you and he came for you. He stepped into your world because he loves you. He's close and he's available, church. And if that's you today, I'm gonna pray for you in just a moment. But people, can I just leave you with this? It's time to live missionally. 2019, missionally, to do as Jesus did. You want to be like Jesus, then you need to go where Jesus is going. Quick story, it's not even part of this. You know, when Jesus first rose from the dead, uh, Mary and the other Mary went to meet Jesus, and an angel's there. Well, they went to go, you know, look at the body, prepare the body, and he wasn't there, and an angel's there, and he's like, he's already gone ahead of you. Go and tell the disciples, but he's already gone ahead of you. You know, Jesus is already ahead of us through the Spirit of God trying to reach people. He's already preparing their hearts. He's working the ground so that when you go and you're vulnerable and you reach out to people, some seeds are gonna be planted. And that's just like a, like a teamwork thing that happens between us and the spirit of God that reaches, the, reaches people for the kingdom of God. He's already ahead of you. That's his mission. Let's do what we can do, reach and love people so that God can do what only God can do.
Thank you so much for listening to our message. We hope that it blessed and encouraged you. If you liked what you heard, we would love for you to come join us on a Sunday morning here in Karana at 10 a.m. at 551 Marie Drive. If you'd like more information on who we are as a church and as a community, you can visit our website at parkway-church.com.